Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Amen. So I want to share uh, this morning about the bride, um, because Jesus is coming for a bride. And the Father's plan from the beginning, I believe, was to create a bride for his son. And it is so amazing when you think about the bride of Christ, because the bride of Christ, think about being the wife of Jesus Christ. And I know that that might be a stretch for you men out there, but it's a stretch for us when we're called sons of God, too. So, you know, but um, the, the, the wife of the King of Kings is going to rule and reign with Jesus for all eternity. This is not for a lifespan here on earth. This is for all eternity. We will be arrayed in glory, in authority, ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ as his bride. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. I find it mind-boggling. So in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, it says, Husband loves your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave for the church. He gave himself for you 100%. He held nothing back. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And so it describes the bride that Jesus has expectation for, that she's holy, she's without blemish, she's without wrinkles, she's just absolutely radiant in glory, and that he has provided everything she needs to array herself in that way. He actually did it all. He actually provided everything. He accomplished everything for her to be able to, to um, embrace who she is in that way. In Revelation 19, 7 and 8, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice in glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride, or wife in some versions, has made herself ready. Has made herself ready. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And so we see, number one, Jesus has accomplished everything that is needed to present this, this bride beautiful, holy, without blemish. And when he comes into your life, that's exactly what he does. He, he, he lives inside of you. You know, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Your spirit, man, is, 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 is so fully perfect and radiant. If you were to pull off your physical body and just hang it, over on a hanger somewhere, take your soul, zip it out, hang it over there, and just, ta-da, there you are, spirit man, spirit woman. You would be absolutely perfect and radiant because Jesus did the work without cost to you. It's just a matter of the moment that you receive him, that miracle takes place. So you are a walking container right now of the Christ nature on the inside of you. The king of glory is on the inside of you. His radiance is on the inside of you. His uh, uh, perfection work is on the inside of you. It's already there. And you can't do anything to produce that. It's a gift. It's already given. But we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. 
And we can't work something out if it's not at ready in, okay? So it's in. We're not trying to get something we already have. We're just letting what's inside seep out. And that's what the bride does to make herself ready. Beautiful. To acknowledge who she really is. Now, I'm just going to throw this in for free. Um, some of you will probably disagree with this because there's a lot of disagreements in the body on, on different topics. And I don't think we should be afraid of that. I honestly don't think we should be afraid of it. In fact, I have heard that in, in uh, Bible days, in Hebrew culture, um, uh, the Hebrew culture was such that they would uh, want to argue with one another a point because they would be able to pull out the full truth when they did that. And it was part of their culture. Even if they didn't believe the opposite view, they would take it in order to, to pull out some more stuff, right? So I think in the church, we divide way too much over issues. Even some of the prophetic words out there are a bit mind-boggling right now. Because some of them say one thing, and some of them say what looks like the exact opposite. But when you really go to God with it, there's, there's things that are true in all of it. And so I feel like we need to be just open-hearted and not, you know, leaving our convictions, of course, but being, being open to one another and definitely not getting into a tiff because someone thinks a little bit differently or... Um, cut off fellowship with them because they believe differently. We've got to, you know, we're a bit bigger than that, right? So what I, I'm going to share about the bride is I personally do not believe that the bride is every believer. Um, I know that some people believe the bride is every believer. Other, believer, other people believe that the bride is um, Israel. I mean, there's all kinds of different takes, but I'll tell you what I believe just for context. I believe that the bride is a people who love the Lord with all their heart, with all their mind, and with all their strength, and that they identify with only Jesus in their love. And so everything that they would love following that would be from that place of first love in Jesus. And I believe that the bride is not an adulteress. <laughs> It's not married to the world or the flesh. I'll look at that in, in a moment. But they're committed. The bride is committed to walking with Jesus. And um, the reason I say that, you know, it says in, in James 4, 4, it says um, that uh, we are not to love the world for. He says, adulteresses and adulterers, do you not know what friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Well, a lover of the world, one who is an adulterer or an adulteress, that's not a bride. So if you were getting married on Saturday morning, but your bride was out sleeping in bed with someone else Friday night, she's not a bride. She's an adulteress. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So God, he's separating the bride because we're going to rule and reign together with Jesus for all eternity and he's looking to see what he's already invested in you. Be worn in the decisions you make, in the way that you present yourself to the world around you, to people around you, that you present Jesus, that you present his love, that you present his purity, that you present his truth. And that's what Jesus is coming for, is a bride that is so aligned with him.
And so we see that the bride has no love for the world. We just read that, James 4.4. And she has no love for the flesh. In Galatians 5.17, it says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. And then in Galatians 5.19-21, to 21, we the works of the flesh are. So we don't even have to guess. You don't have to wonder, well, I don't know if that's of the flesh or this is of the, I don't know. I just will do whatever. No, it actually tells you in the New Testament, written by the apostle of grace, what the works of the flesh are. And the, of course, we're in the works of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he's talking to the church here, talking to the church of Galatia. So we are not to engage in the works of the flesh. Why would we? When we've got the spirit in us, when we are the bride. When we are the bride preparing ourselves, making ourselves ready for him. We're not going to lean to the flesh. We're going to, to lean to what he's given to us to live in, to radiate his very nature and his very character. And so he's calling us to, to come into that place of preparation. says the bride prepares herself. Then, thirdly, the bride has no other gods or idols. In Exodus 20, verse 3, it says, no other gods before me. The bride will rule and reign with Christ in his everlasting kingdom. It says in 2 Timothy 2.12, that if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So the preparation of the bride then in this day involves alignment. And I want to read out of Hebrews uh, 12 for a moment here, uh, starting in verses uh, 1 to 2. It says, Therefore, we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay also aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now down to verses 5 to 6. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. And then in verse 11 to 13 of the same chapter, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness. Therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. And then down to verse 25 to 29. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, 
But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of the creative things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Now, it's through shaking the prophetic timeline on this in, in a moment. I just want to lay, lay a foundation here. But through the shaking and through the fire of God, the Lord is separating his bride. The bride is going to be revealed in this season. In Daniel 12, 10, it says, Many will be purged, purified, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. So when refinement comes, when the discipline of the Lord comes, the bride leans into it. The bride embraces it and says, bring it on, Lord, purify me, purge me, you know, refine me, do whatever you want to do, because my passion is for you. It's not even for my own comfort. It is for you, Lord, and no matter what it looks like, I want you more than anything else in life, so whatever it takes to reveal that life in me, go for it. But the wicked are not so. The wicked have a bent towards evil. They have a desire towards the evil. So when purging is offered them, they don't take it. They prefer to go the way of sin. They go the way of, of destruction. And so in this season, we are seeing a separation. There is a separation uh, taking place at this time. Very tumultuous events are, are at hand. We're experiencing some of them right now. The spirit of the Antichrist is at work, and we need to be praying, believe me, especially for our nation. We must pray, and by the way, we must vote. And we can have no partnership, no partnership with the spirit of the Antichrist. So what the Lord's doing right now in the midst of this season, he is bringing exposure. Everything hidden, this is Luke 12, verses 2 and 3. Everything hidden will be exposed. It will be brought into light. Everything that you speak in secret will be broadcast, it says in the Passion Translation, for, for all to hear. Secondly, he's bringing separation. We're going to see a separation between the sheep and the goats, the righteous and the wicked, the wheat and the tares. There's going to be confrontation by the Spirit in this hour. There's going to be solutions offered in this hour. And there's going to be revealings and birthings. I, I believe that we are standing at the very point of seeing the birthing, the coming forth of the greatest awakening, revival, harvest, and reformation all in one. I just believe that that is what God has for his church. And that's why he is separating us unto that. Now, in Matthew 13, 24 to 30, it says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat 
into my barn. Now, there's many applications on that particular scripture, but when we apply life, we can say, you know, the Lord planted his good seed in my life, the seed of his very own spirit. I am a born-again Christian because he put his good seed in my life, and that seed is growing in me. But then the enemy, when I was asleep, the enemy, he came and planted some seed in there too, some wrong thinking, some maybe some things, you know, temptations that I that I bit into and allowed that seed to grow on, on the inside of me. The good news is, is that at harvest time, he's going to pull all those tares out. And I've been saying, Lord, get rid of them all in me, man. I just want, I just want only your glory, only your glory. And, but we've got to look at our nation right now as well. And our nation was planted with good ground being sown into it. Our, our forefathers came into this nation to establish his kingdom and establish his name in this kingdom. And it has been glorious. The history of the United States of America is amazing. And you can see God's threat of redemption through every part of history. You can see his hand bringing forth his goodness in every single part of our history. But we are standing in a very extremely critical hour right now where everything could turn in another direction if the bride doesn't take her place. If, if, if we do not rise up and say, Lord, we love you with all of our heart, mind, and strength, and we are not going to allow this because all the earth is yours, the fullness of it, all it contains, and all that dwell therein, and we are with you, and we are going to see the land cleanse. We're going to see repentance come. We're going to see the establishment of your truth, and these, these horrible things that have happened that are, are um, in our land today because the enemy got in with bad seed, we're believing that those things are going to be burned up and that the wheat will then be gathered into the barn. And there'll be a great ingathering. But it takes being positioned. It takes God allowing his voice to reach our heart. And I think it's in Luke 9. I think that's the, the, um, the gospel where it it talks about the transfiguration. I know it's in Matthew 17, but the actual words, I think, in, in Luke 9 are that they fell asleep in the midst of this, you know, encounter Jesus was having with Moses and Elijah. His disciples fell asleep. But it says, but when they were fully awakened, they saw the glory. And I believe what God's doing for his church right now is he's awakening us because we had a level of slumber that we were walking and that we were just going about our merry ways. You know, life was good. We could pretty much have whatever we wanted. We're living in the day of the most affluence probably that's ever been seen in the history of mankind as far as every believer having access or every person having access to it. And so we were enjoying that. And maybe just having God a little bit on the sidelines instead of front and center. And so while we were asleep, the enemy came in and planted tares. How many of you have thought when you read the news and see what's happening in the world today, I think, oh my gosh, how did we get here? How did we get to such a far left voice shouting out in the nation and people are actually buying into it? They're actually believing it. I mean, even 10 years ago, it wouldn't have happened like that, right? So how did we get here? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and suddenly poverty or destruction can come upon you. And so 
on June 27th, um, I was woken up by the Lord early in the morning. It was around four in the morning. And I was woken up in the morning and, um, and I felt this foreboding presence. I knew that like something was up. And I said, Lord, what, what is going on here? And he, he showed me um, the United States of America in a, an extremely vulnerable place internally. And I saw this vision of the American map. It was like custard on the inside, like you could poke your finger in it. You could, I mean, it had no strength to it. It was just like vulnerable. And he said, because of the internal vulnerability, there is external vulnerability for control nations to come and to conquer. And I've shared this with many believers, and some of them said, oh, that would never happen, not in the USA. That um, The USA would never let that happen. I said, don't you say that, because it can happen very quickly. You know, God's people, they didn't actually believe Babylon was going to conquer them either, but overnight they were sieged. Overnight they were sieged. And then they lived in 70 years of oppression, 70 years of oppression in Babylon, the most brutal heathen nation of the day. And so if they had children born when they went into oppression, those children, their whole lives would have been growing up under that oppression, their whole lives. Now, you might think it can happen here, but I tell you, the Lord's told me it can. And if that happens, I've even heard, I've even heard some Christians, two of them actually, from other nations, they said... Um, you know, the United States of America is going to lose its place as lead nation, and China is going to come in and uh, take it by military force, um, and God's going to honor the prayers of the Chinese church that was in persecution. I said, what? Honor the prayers of the Chinese church by taking America out? I says, you do not want that to happen. You do not want that to happen. I said, if America were to be taken over by a communist nation, it would not be good for any free nation. Every free nation following would go bang, 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 down, 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 down. So you might not want America as a lead nation, but believe me, you're not going to want China. Now, I love China. I love the Chinese people. But the spirit that's ruling it is a very wicked spirit. And, you know, the Chinese church is the most intense praying church in the world. One of the strongest churches in the world. But they haven't been able to overthrow it yet. They're still living under that oppression. So we need to wake up. We're dealing with a principality and power level that is going to demand our alignment to the Lord right now like never before. Jesus said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Now, why he said that was because the enemy actually doesn't have any power except what we give him. But if we give him, if you open up your life to sin, the Bible says in the New Testament, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. Okay? So, Romans 6.16 says that you become a slave to whoever you submit yourself to. If you submit yourself to sin, you become a slave of it. If you submit yourself to righteousness, you become a servant of righteousness. So we have to be very mindful right now and very intentional about aligning our lives with those things that, that, that God says are safe and good and beautiful and divorcing ourselves from the things that he says are dangerous. It is a, totally the spirit of stupid. 
than if we live careless right now. It is absolutely that which will take down the nation and our children and our grandchildren will suffer it because we wanted a little taste of the flesh for a moment of pleasure. Are you kidding? Are we willing to do that in order to, you know, just say, well, I want my freedom to, to do whatever I want? I tell you, there's mindsets in the world today that need to be addressed by the Word of God. So on June 27th, when the Lord showed me that, he told me to set up a firewall of prayer. And I'm so glad that this house here, you are on it. You are praying, 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 praying by the hour. So we started up a 24-7 um, uh, coverage of prayer for the nation. Thousands and thousands and thousands are on it. And um, praying for protection around the United States of America. Now, God is calling everyone to pray. Almost every prophet that you hear from right now will quote Second Chronicles 7.14 with urgency. It is being quoted with urgency by almost every single prophet, every single Christian leader, every pastor I know. They're just, I mean, they're all on it. Now, why would God put that urgency out and give us a position to stand in if he wasn't going to answer it? It is his desire to bring the greatest move of his spirit into the world and also this nation. He does not want this nation overturned. But we have filled some bowls. Now, he showed me a vision that day of two baskets, actually. Two baskets. And one of them was being filled with sin and rebellion. And the other basket was being filled with prayers and repentance. And he said, one of them is going to produce a tipping point. The choice is ours. The choice is ours. The bride makes herself ready. The choice is ours. We can love the world and the things of the world and come under a very oppressive spirit in the days to come. We can see all the fabric of our foundations of the nation taken out because of our carelessness. Or we can be diligent and prepare and trust the greatness of God to break down anything that could harm us in any way. Can he do that? Absolutely. There is nothing too hard for him. But the heavens belong to the Lord, and the earth belongs to the sons of men. He gave us the keys of the kingdom. He gave you and I the power to rule, so he partners with us from heaven. But it's our responsibility to look after this world. I've heard Christians sit back and say, well, we'll just see what God's going to do. No, he's looking for us to take our place right now and to come into right alignment so that the glory can come. We're going to get oppression or glory, one or the other. But who determines it is us. As the church goes, so goes the nation. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, he doesn't say, when the leaders of the nation and the, and the unsaved turn away from their wicked ways. That, no, he says, if my people... If my people will do that, then I will heal the nation. And even all the unsaved will be touched and affected. The unsaved of, of, of America have lived in blessing for, for, for centuries because of the posturing of the church. But when the church started getting polluted, when the church started getting careless, when they started embracing the, the world and the flesh and the deeds of the flesh and not having any conscience about it, not even caring, then things shifted. And we've got to get our place back. We've got to get our devotion back. So COVID, I do not believe personally, and again, this is one of those things where you'll hear a lot of different uh, convictions that people have, so I'll share mine. I do not believe that God created 
COVID to judge America. Oh, and by the way, by the way, every nation is affected, not just America. <laughs> and by the way, every nation quarantined, not just America. It wasn't an evil plan of the government trying to shut down the church in America. The Muslims are quarantined too. The Hindus are quarantined too. Everyone was quarantined because everyone is gathering together to try to fight down and bring down a virus so it doesn't take all humanity. It's a very infectious virus. We don't know that because we're living in faith and we're free from, from the effects of it. And that's why we need to get out and help the world understand the power we have. I'm so glad that you're out praying for COVID patients because that's what they need. Because outside of that, all they're living in is the fear of this thing. And it is big. It is a big thing. It's actually not a lie. You know, if you look at the statistics in all the different nations, you'll see it. It is actually killing people. And it is extremely infectious. And everyone's trying to stop it. They're all fighting it to try to stop it. And so that's the deal. It's not just a hit on the USA. You need to understand that. But it is a hit on humanity. And I don't believe that God created this virus to judge the world. I don't. Why would he have such an urgent call for us all to be praying and fasting and repenting if, if he wanted to take us out? Or if he was angry with us and he wanted to, to take us all out, finish with you guys, done. And I've heard some people say that. And I don't believe it. I believe that the reason why we have COVID is because of sin giving a landing strip to principalities and powers. And in the church, we have given a landing strip. And so we have to take that landing strip away. We have to deal with it. And when we do, it will come down. Now, I have faith to see plagues demolished by the Spirit of God. When the um, Ebola virus came out in in Africa years ago, I was in um, Australia uh, during part of that, and I was booked to go into West Africa, and the United States had just put a quarantine regulation on anyone who had been in, in West Africa, and I said, God, I don't know, what should I do? I mean, they got this Ebola virus there, and, um, you know, if I go and fulfill my ministry commitment, then I, I'm, I'm not going to, when I come back into the USA, I've got other ministry commitments. I'm not going to be able to do them. Do you want me to cancel, cancel um, Africa? He said, no, I don't want you to cancel Africa. I want you to kill the virus. And I thought, wow, I never thought of stopping a plague before. I don't know why. I mean, we should think about doing stuff like that, right? I just never thought about it. So I said, oh, okay, like, how do you do that? I looked it up in the, you know, on the, on the Google and it, and it, and it looked like a big snake under the microscope. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I hate snakes. I hate them. You know, and uh, so I was praying in tongues. And um, the Lord took me in the spirit to fly over Ghana. And when I was flying in the spirit over Ghana, he said, now kill the virus. Speak death to the virus. Now, I was booked for Ghana and Mali, but he only had me fly over Ghana for some reason. He said, kill the virus. So I said, okay, I've never killed a virus before. I guess you just tell it to die. In Jesus' name, virus, die. You know, and just like, not in any kind of sophistication. I didn't have a clue what I was doing because I'd never killed a virus before like that, a plague. Never annihilated a plague. So I just said, okay, virus, you're going to die, Ebola. You're dead in Jesus' name. Flying around in the spirit. 
came back into my room and I thought, okay, is that it? Do you need to do anything more? Is it done? You know, is, is it dead? So anyways, um, I went to sleep and went out. Um, the next day, the pastor took me out to a um, prayer mountain that he wanted to look over the region and have me prayer, pray. So we did that. On the way back, there was this snake across the path. And so I did my rapture practice thing. I, I just... <laughs> When I see snakes, I just want to ascend and not descend, right? And um, I, I did a little scream. But then I looked at it, and I thought, the thing isn't moving. And a tourist was looking at it, and he said, it's dead. It's a pity, isn't it? And I said, no, it's no pity. It is actually a really good thing that's dead. It was a python. It was a python snake. And the Lord showed me that that was a sign that the virus was dead. So we go on and we do meetings and, you know, went on in the evening and did meetings. And then um, afterwards, my husband called and he said, did you happen to see the news? Because they've announced that the Ebola virus has taken a sudden downturn. And it was a very, very big surprise because they expected it to even expand more. And they were, you know, hoping it wasn't going to become a world pandemic and all that. But it it took a turn, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And I looked on the Internet every day from that time, and it kept going down, 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 down from that time. And by the time I went to Ghana and Mali, there was no quarantine or anything left. I could just go in and not a problem. So then, three years ago, not this year, not the year before, but the year before, there was a bad flu virus that took place. I don't know if you remember that or not. But over the news, they kept announcing how bad it was. That news, I tell you, we got to conquer media. <laughs> and, um, and they were saying how bad it was, and the numbers kept going up and escalating. And then they said, oh, it's, it, 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 it's going to morph into other streams of it. and It's going to go all the way into May or June this year. And, um, and the Lord told me to do something about it. So I did go into the heaven, and he gave me a sword, and I cut off the head of the virus, and the same thing happened. It started going down. I watched it. Your, your uh, spiritual encounters need to have measurable fruit. You need to be able to measure them, okay? So there it was, going down, down, down. I thought, wow, this is cool. So when the coronavirus came, I thought, no problem, man. We'll just take care of this. We'll, we can kill the plagues. I was telling people, just let's take dominion. But when I went into the heavens, I, I didn't get anything. There was no connection of faith. You know when you've prayed through because there's this faith release, right? And I couldn't get it. So I met with some other believers, went into the heaven, and I was making inquiry of the Lord. I said, Lord, can you show us the tool to get rid of this thing? And he said, you have to lay this one on the mercy seat. And that's when I realized this isn't just a matter of believers saying, come down, dark prince. Not this time. This time, it's a matter of repentance. And we needed to bring the nation and we needed to bring the church before the mercy seat of God and repent and cry out for mercy. This is a different one. This, this one's calling for alignment. And um, so even though God did not create this virus, I believe it's the enemy, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God came to give life and an abundant life at that. But I believe that he's using this virus to expose idols that we didn't even know we had. He is so kind. He is so loving to us. He'll say, you know, you didn't even realize that you were 
off, but I'm going to show you so that you can come back. Why does he want us back? Because we're going to rule and reign the whole earth with him. And this virus is going to be nothing once we get back into our place. We're going to see the greatest move of God's power than we've ever seen before. So let me expose some of the areas that I think that he um, is highlighting as far as idols. Because when COVID broke out, and I remember it clearly because we'd just gotten off of a cruise. We just got off of a ministry cruise and uh, were gathered together as we were leaving the ship. And they were saying, you know, we're going to have to um, uh, do special um, washings and that to get you off the ship because the virus has broken out and there's going to be quarantines and there's going to be everything is going to be shut down. And we're like, whoa. And we were hoping that we could get on the plane even to get back home. And we did. Praise the Lord. But um, one of the first things, well, a number of things shut down overnight. And church has shut down. Church has shut down. And I know, again, it's one of these things where there's different opinions on, on what to do. And I think everyone has to run their track. Whatever God's saying, you have to run that track. And run it well. And run it with full conviction. But don't think that everyone else has to have the same conviction. We have to run and be faithful to God. So I believe that when the churches and ministries kind of shut down, like itinerant ministries had months and months of cancellations where they would normally be out every single week at a different uh, ministry venue, ministering, all of a sudden they're, they're down. No more conferences, no more anything. All the itinerants are shut down. Churches are shut down. Mega churches shut down. Micro churches shut down. I mean, just everything shut down. I believe the Lord revealed to me that people had gotten so, believers had gotten so focused on the church building and the brick and mortar structure and how we traditionally have to meet that we lost sight of who he is. And church itself, in many cases, I'm not saying in every case, but in many cases became an idol. And even people would say, well, you know, I've done my duty. I go to church on Sunday. But the rest of the week, you know, they feel just because they went to church on Sunday all is well. But the rest of the week, they're just living like everyone else and having no thought toward God at all because they're expecting the worship team to worship for them, the pastor to read the word for them. And everything is set up for them. And God's saying, okay, you're going to come back to me. You know when Jesus overturned the money changers' tables? You know when that was? It was the first Passover. In fact, in my Bible, it's the sub subtitle. The first Passover, he turned over the money changers' tables and cleansed the temple. He drove out everything. And he said, if you tear this temple down, I will rebuild it in three days. And they said, what? Rebuild it in three days? It took over 40 days to, or 40 years to build it. And he said, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about my body. And I believe that with COVID, what it did is it made us realize this is not about, you know, our ability to gather in a brick and mortar. This is about do we really love God? Do we have a personal relationship with him? And are we willing to gather no matter what it takes and no matter how God wants us to do it? Because overnight, overnight, we reached more people through media than we had ever, ever reached previously. Even in prayer meetings, Jesus said when he overturned the money changers' tables, he said, my father's house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. 
And so overnight, the church now, with COVID, is into prayer meetings where hundreds of thousands and millions of people are meeting worldwide for prayer and communion. And prior, just prior to Pentecost, there was more prayer meetings than we've ever had in church history. All around the world, people united. And because of the urgency of what had happened, people gathered, they all of a sudden realized, oh my gosh, you know, I've got to, I've got to find God in this. And so hearts started to direct towards God again, where they had been just, oh, well, I'll just show up on Sunday or whatever. Or I'll go to a conference and get, you know, my little injection. But it was like there was an idolatry of it all. And I'm going to say this, and again, I want to emphasize, this is not everyone, but some. God wants to clean us up. Some even ministers had their own ministry as an idol. And they would use language like, wow, i got to get another gig. And I remember thinking, what, another gig? gig. You're calling a ministry engagement, a holy engagement to minister to the people of God a gig? Really? <laughs> Is that what you think? And when they couldn't work, they said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any money coming in now. I don't know what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden, they came to terms with something that, that maybe their, their calling wasn't as holy as they thought it was, that it was just attached to their identity, to how they made a living, and to what gave them their strokes. And all that came down overnight. And pastors, pastors who had been, and not every pastor does this, believe me. In fact, most of the people I run with don't even compare to anything that I just said. They're the exact opposite. They're so passionate for Jesus. But there was pastors, many pastors out there actually who who would go on a Sunday morning, preach their 40-minute sermon, shake the people's hands at the door, and then people would never see them again until the next Sunday in the pulpit. Another handshake out the door. Well, now pastors had to learn how to pastor their people. Now they had to actually reach out to their people to see how they're doing. They didn't see them on a Sunday morning, and that was it. They had to connect with their people and say, how are you doing? Are you okay? Is your family okay? What can I do to help you stay strong in your faith right now? And so it changed everything. It was beautiful. It brought realignment to the church. It brought realignment to the church. And um, some people felt to carry on, which I think is great. I do want to address one thing, though, and again, this is my conviction. I'm leaving, you know, tomorrow morning, so you can. <laughs> and I've talked to friends of mine that have a different opinion on this, but a lot of times I've heard people, you know, say, we're just going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're just going to rebel against the law right now and against all these executive orders because we refuse to comply. And that attitude is rebellion. And it's no different than some of the radical protesters out there that are just ignoring everything. We're, we're dealing with a spirit of lawlessness right now, like you wouldn't believe. And there's no respect for authority, and there's anarchy. And we have to make sure that we're not adding to that. Now, again, I want to say, we all have to do what the Spirit's telling us to do. I do feel to come out when the Lord's releasing me to come out and do conferences and meetings. We are having some meetings in our church, although we're staying within the government regulations. But we, we all need to have that heart of purity and honor and say, I'm not going to blame the government thinking that they're trying to, you know, you know, make me a communist or something when we're not quite there yet. Because the world is watching us. And when we start saying some of the crazy stuff that is being said out there, Christians are being made to look like idiots. 
And it's not helping us reach the lost. They're looking at us as rebellious, not caring about them, not wanting to help them get well, not wanting to kill the virus. I mean, there's different ways of looking at this thing. So we really need to come to God, not to our own opinion, not to just what someone says, but really come to God. And if God is saying to do something, then do it. And if he's saying go out in the public without masks and just do your thing, then do it. But don't do it in a rebellious heart. Do it with an obedient heart. We're not rebelling against the system. We are being obedient to God when we do it. And there's a different position. And I just want to encourage you to be beloved children of God who are, who are innocent and beautiful and awesome. Another thing that came down overnight was sports. Sports had gotten so far out of hand, it was crazy. You know, the amount of money, the celebrity mindset, the corruption that was in it. Um, people wouldn't even show up in church on Sunday if their kids had a practice or a game or if there was a good game on TV. They wouldn't even bother the house of the Lord. Oh, well, we'll forget that this week because we got a game. And sports became an idol. In, in the country, in the whole country, it became an idol. And it became very political as well. But overnight, that all got taken down. They couldn't even practice in the beginning. You know, it all, all was removed. And that idol was addressed. What about Hollywood? The movies were, were shut down. All the new movies that had been made, they had nowhere to distribute them. <laughs> Praise the Lord on some of those movies, right? <laughs> The movie houses, the, the bars, the nightclubs. You see, when we are not, like when we're asked not to congregate, it's not just churches, it's bars, it's Satanists, it's, you know, uh, Muslim mosques, it's everybody, right? And so the entertainment all got shut down because of it. Education system, the education system got so corrupt. They were telling parents how to raise their children and and. In many places, especially I know of some in Canada, for sure, that is law, that if the parents speak against their children's sexual orientation, children's, they could be, have their children taken from them. How did they get that much power? How did the education system get that much power? Well, God took care of it overnight. No one's in school. Everyone's at home with their parents now. And by the way, the family needed that. It might have been inconvenient, and that was a sign of the times, too. When you hear people say, oh, man, I got my kids at home. That's a sign. I don't know what to do. I got the kids here all day long. That's a sign that there's something that needs to be aligned. We should say, yay, I got my kids home. They're out of that filthy system out there that's polluting their mindsets. The colleges and the universities shut down. And do you know that the, the Ivy League universities in this nation were founded by Christians, were founded on Christian morals, and now they're their most liberal voice in the nation. And they're preparing the younger generation of leaders to think anti-Christ mindsets. But overnight, they were shut down. We need to pray. During the shutdown, we really need to pray. We need to pray that everything will be reset. What about food? Do you think that we might have food as an idol in America? Do you know that we are the most obese nation? The most obese. We just eat the biggest meals. You go out to a restaurant, there's big heaps of meals, and we just eat one or two or three plus dessert, you know. It, 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 it's just that we have this focus on food. Well, overnight, the restaurants were shut down. 
The restaurants were shut down. And so also, you couldn't get groceries in the grocery store. They were empty. You couldn't even get toilet paper. That was weird. <laughs> I thought, what is with the toilet paper? Okay, and then what about outer beauty? Outer beauty, there's been such an emphasis on outer beauty that the world's got everyone thinking they need plastic surgery at age 16, and they need, or 60, whatever, but you know, you need it, you gotta have it. And even in Christian circles, we buy into that lie. Oh, I'm just not beautiful enough, I need to spend another 30,000. I need to, to get another $3,000 worth of cosmetics. I need this, I need that, because I just need to be more beautiful. And there is such a value put on outer beauty but overnight, you couldn't even get a haircut, let alone plastic surgery. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't get a pedicure, couldn't get a manicure. In fact, most of us aren't even wearing nails anymore. We got delivered. Yay, COVID. <laughs> now, there's many more, but I'm going to stop at this next one. Money. Do you think that money became an idol? There was so much greed, especially in America, that oftentimes the motivation for life itself, to live a life, was to get more stuff, to become more financially successful. And it became such an idol that people established their value and worth on how much money and possession they had. And even churches did that. They would compare, well, you know, what does your church make? And what do you have? Do you have a building? Oh, you just got this. Oh, you're just renting a school. Oh, whatever. And that kind of talk was going on. And it's just like so slimy. But you see, when you're in a deception, you don't know you're deceived. That's the nature of deception. When you're in a deception, it just looks like normal and fine. But when the deception gets removed, then you can see it and make a change. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I think... The issue of money, it says on our dollar bill, in God we trust, and I hope they don't mean that that dollar is the God. We have to dethrone that mindset and truly establish the true and the living God as the God that we trust in. And one of the greatest areas of fear in society today is regarding money. What am I going to do? Do I have to sell my business? Am I going to be able to make a living? I got laid off. What am I going to do? How am I going to feed my kids? What am I, you know? And everyone is in fear over the future regarding finance. But you see, God, he is our provider. And his provision, kingdom provision, when you start realizing who you are, that you are a kingdom person, you're a, you're, you're a kingdom citizen, and that you are the bride of Christ, and that your bridegroom and your heavenly father are the most extravagant, generous, uh, wealthy beings in the entire universe for all eternity, all of a sudden all that fear goes. But if you have a love for the world and you live inside that system, because money is only a worldly currency, you won't find it in heaven. The money system is a world system, and it is going to come down, and the digital, digital transactions will be all that's left. And you know where that's headed. Eventually, that's headed. But do we need to be afraid? No, it's just a world system. It is an inferior system. But what makes it so big to us right now is that we trust it. And we've got more trust in having our money and all of our ducks in a row in the area of money that we forget that it's in God we trust, and he is everything that we need. 
at all times. When Israel got delivered from Egypt, one of their biggest uh, mess-ups in the wilderness is they kept looking back to the leeks, the garlics, uh, whatever, when they felt there was no provision, but provision was always with them. But they believed that it wasn't. And so they went back thinking, oh, if only I had leeks, if only I had garlic, if only I had this. Back in Egypt, I had this. And they looked to a world system that had oppressed them for hundreds of years. And yet they would rather go back into that oppressed system than trust God for his bounty. Now, what did they have in the wilderness? He opened the heavens, poured out blessing upon them every single day. They had the best food ever. You know, you might go to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or whatever, but it's nothing compared to what they had. It was like the holiest, most nutritious food falling out of heaven. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't have to prepare it. They didn't have to clean up after it. They didn't have to do any work at all for it. It just came to them because they were living under the open heaven. They had water whenever they needed. Their clothes did not wear out. They had everything they needed. Why? Because God was there and he was teaching them how to depend on him so that when they went into the promised land and didn't have manna from heaven anymore, but they got the privilege of producing and creating with him, that they wouldn't revert back to the thinking that they had. And we are being invited by God to come into a whole new level of thinking right now. And that is to put God himself as our provider and I had a really cool thing happen to me in the beginning of COVID. It was so sweet. It's just so sweet because God cares about every little thing in your life. He cares about the little, the big, and everything in, in between. And when you have a fear about money or provision, just look to him and start worshiping because he's bigger than what you need. He's greater than what you need. But um, we were, before COVID, we had arranged to have um, a, a man of God come and stay with us. Uh, for a week or so and um, and so he was on his way he was coming when I realized I thought oh oh now normally we would just take a guest out to dinner for meals we're I'm very busy and I don't cook much anymore although I love cooking but I don't cook much more much anymore and my husband and I graze a lot so we don't even do a lot of cooking when we do eat at home so all of a sudden it dawns on me, oh my goodness, I got this guy coming for a whole week. He's going to eat three meals a day, and he's a big man. And I looked in my cupboards, and I didn't have any food. I didn't even have a bag of rice. I started laughing. I said, God, I, don't even, I can't even cook a pot of rice, you know. And I said, I don't have any uh, vegetables. I don't have any meat. I don't have any, hardly any bread left. And I just started laughing, you know, and I just tried to see what I did have. I said, I know you're going to work this out, God, but man, this is, uh, this is something. And my husband and I went to the store uh, to get groceries previous to that, just, just before that. And um, there was no groceries. And... I said, well, what are we going to do? There's no groceries. And the guy that was working said, yeah, ma'am, if you want groceries, man, they line up here at 5 o'clock in the morning. you got to get here at least before 10 if you want groceries. And there was nothing that we needed. There was no milk. There was no cream. There was no butter. There was no toilet paper. There was no, no nothing, okay? And so um, we went back home, and I said, okay, God. And I looked at those cupboards again, and I thought, this is... This is going to be interesting. And the doorbell rings within an hour. And it was a woman with bag after bag after bag of groceries. And she said, this morning, my, my husband and I were spoken to by the Lord. And he told us to go and bring groceries to you. <laughs> and 
And I said, this is amazing. And I looked inside the grocery bags, and there was every single thing that I said to the Lord, well, I don't even have this, I don't have that, I don't have that. And every single thing was in the bag. And I said, it was bag after bag after bag, and way more than that, way more, things I never even thought of. I mean, it was just like extravagance, right? And, um, and this is in the midst of the COVID outbreak. We're just eating like the best food ever with all the dessert and toppings and I mean, everything that goes with it. And um, I said, well, please let me pay you for this. He said, absolutely not. You know, the Lord told us that we were to bless you. And I thought, this is, this is so touching, Lord. And he said, yeah. He said, you'll notice I provided what you needed. I paid for it. I took care of everything. And that's how I'll always look after all my people when they look to me. Now, the next day, the next morning, I realized that I, I had some coffee stuff that I, I didn't get, like I forgot, even forgot about it. I thought I already had it. And I thought, well, that would be nice. It wasn't a necessity. But I thought, that would be nice. Maybe I should uh, try going to the store later and see if they have any of that. And um, as I'm thinking, the, the text comes in from my intercessor and says, by the way, I'm at Fry's Grocery Store. Is there anything that you would need? I can pick it up for you. And I said, well, if they have this coffee product, you know, I don't know if they would, but if they do, that would be great. It's just a little extra thing I was thinking about. And so she comes to my door um, in less than half an hour later with what I needed. I said, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Can I pay you for it? No, no, no. The Lord told me to bless you with it. And again, the Lord said, see, I will look after my people. I know what my people need. If they just look to me, I'm always there. I'm always with them. I am their provider, not the world system, not the monetary system, not, you know, not, not the way the world pressures them. And with COVID, it's been a blessing in a way, because even if we had money, because my husband and I had money, but we, we just couldn't find the food to buy, right? And he looked after it, and it's been the same with gas, with water, with everything that we've needed. He's looked after it. And our ministry... Like, it doesn't even make any sense. In the natural, if you were to look to a natural system, like if you were to run a business, and let's say the business makes its money on an itinerant speaker going out or selling resource or whatever, if that is the income streams, the business would look at that and say, well, if those potential opportunities to go out would be shut down, I have no way of making money. That's the way the world would, would think. But with God, it's not like that. So... Everything, as far as what the world would call income streams, were shut down with our ministry, and yet we flourished. We increased. We didn't decrease. We increased. We increased in numbers of people. Our church more than doubled. Our, our, our finances escalated in every single department. And we just worshiped Jesus and said, Jesus, we're just going to serve you with all our heart, mind, and strength. This is all about you. We're going to separate ourselves unto you, and we're going to do your work. And I've, I've never been so busy in my whole life. I love it. But you see what I'm trying to say here? We have to get our eyes back on God in all things, in all things. And he loves us so much, and he's got this bride. He's got this bride emerging in his church who just love him so much, that trust him with everything, who's going to rule and reign with him. And we're going to start calling the shots. But you see, he needs us to come to him first. We can't just say, come down, dark prince, and our heart's somewhere over here, and we're living like the devil, you know. It doesn't work like that. But when we rule and reign with Christ, when we are really acting as his bride, as his co-ruler, we are one with him in every respect, and that's what he wants. He just wants all of us to be in that place. He wants all of us to be reset 100% for him. 
and trust him in all things. So beautiful. I tell you, I can confidently say that God's people will be blessed in these coming days. And as we turn to him, any heart that turns to him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, they will be blessed in him because God plus nothing equals everything that you need. And we need to throw away fear on every level and just pursue him. Now, what's going to happen in the world? That, a lot of that is going to depend on the position of the church. As the church goes, so goes the nation. If we will humble ourselves, if we will pray, if we will seek his face, if we will turn from our wicked ways, that's four criteria. It's a perpetual promise on the house of God. And we're the New Testament house of God. And he said, if you will position yourself like that, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sin. And I will heal the land. Which means we're being presented with a glorious future. And if it's not glorious, it indicates that the church didn't position. We have to take our place. And we're going to. And it starts with you and I. I'm not responsible for anyone else's transformation, but I am responsible for mine to make sure I'm walking in that kind of alignment. And he's just so beautiful to help us um, know what we need to do. In the area of the financial area, because I really do think it is, you know, it, 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 it says the love of money is the root of all evil. So when we withhold money from the Lord, for example, it is a sign that we're loving money more than him. And I know this because I've walked it, I've walked it with the Lord um, through trial, through pressure. When my husband and I first started in full-time uh, missions work, we learned how to live with no visible means of support by trusting only God. And it was brutal. We had a lot of warfare. But our heart was like, God, it's only you. God plus nothing equals everything we need. And we'll never withhold the first and the best from you. We'll never say, I need this more than giving it to you. You don't need it, so I'll keep it. But he needs our honor. He needs to see the faith that we have in him and not the love of money. That we don't believe that money is our source. So we don't believe that that is what's going to keep us. We believe God. And I've said to God many times, God, if I only had you, I have more than enough. If everything else was gone, I have more than enough. And I, I've been there, okay? I've been there. And, um, and, and, I, and I love that place. But Malachi 3, 8 to 11 God says this, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. I want you to see this, that there may be food in my house. And test me now, especially in COVID. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. And so we can look for the blessing of God every single day. We can test him on this. He's going to open the heavens and pour out blessing. Now, does that mean according to our dictate? His blessings are way bigger than our dictate. You might say, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, you know, I just need, you know, I need $100. I need $100. I need $100. And then he drops on you a brand new car. You thought you needed $100, and he said, I think you need a vehicle. It comes full of gas, whatever. You know, just, um, I mean, we've, we've, we've seen God do that many times over. 
He says, and, and I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. So what I want to say is this. Keep the Lord, number one, in all things. Give him the first and the best of your worship, your, your day, your money, everything. Give him the first and the best because he is worthy. He is so worthy. Amen. And... Um, and especially in the area of finance, because that's what's going to keep you in kingdom economy in these coming days. The economic thing, it's going to shake more than it's shaken so far. But you're not going to shake, because we're of a kingdom that cannot be shaken if you keep your trust in him. Just finishing up here now. I'm sorry I've taken you so long this morning, but um, I have to leave tomorrow, so <laughs> it gives me an opportunity to give it all here. Okay, Malachi 3, 16 to 18. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to him, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Let the bride arise. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us. We need to give ourselves to that process. How many of you are so hungry to be so inside of God that you're carried around inside of him and him inside of you during this season? Amen? Is that where you want to be? Well, I'm going to pray for you in... In a moment, I'm going to release an, an impartation. But before we do that, I want to receive for the Lord our tithes and our offerings. And I want us to do warfare with our gift this morning. I want us to do warfare, and I also want us to give birth to new things in the Lord, to a new level of provision that we want to see in our lives and for those around us in our community. And this house... This house is going to expand. You see, when you live under the domain of the king, everything becomes supernatural. When, when COVID hit, the Lord told our ministry to buy acreage and a piece of property. And we just went out and bought it and paid cash for it. And then as soon as within one week, the account's up higher than it was before. How did that happen? It's supernatural. But when you start gazing upon that supernatural provision of God, because he's a supernatural God, it changes everything. And that's where we have to live. And today, this offering that we're bringing to the Lord today is going to be an entrance into that new season for you. I really believe it. And I know that my husband and I will oftentimes, you know, prepare a special release of of offering, of blessing, of first and best to the Lord when we're going into a new season. So I just want to encourage you into that and believe for big things to happen because you're opening up a supernatural portal this morning. It's no longer just transactions in the world. We're talking about supernatural provision where it doesn't even make sense why your bank account's so full. It doesn't make sense how all your bills were paid. It doesn't make sense how your, your cupboards are full of food and overflowing. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind because we're living in a supernatural dimension. So online, there is information for you to uh, give. Um, you can give online, and I believe there's texting and whatever is on.
offering, lifted up to the heavens. That's what Jesus did with the loaves and the fishes. He lifted it up, and and the Father blessed it. He has blessing. We're not going to curse our provision. We're going to bless it. So lift up your offering to the Lord right now. Lift it up into the heavens. You can do this at home too. Just lift your hand. If you're giving by text, you can still lift your hand, representing what you're giving to the Lord. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless. We bless this offering. We bless it, Lord. We bless the provision that you have given to us. And now we honor you with the first and the best. And we thank you, Lord, that you are pouring grace out upon our tithes, upon this offering. You're pouring grace out on it in Jesus' name and bringing forth an abundance of fruit. I thank you, Lord, that you are bringing forth increase in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want you to quickly run up to the front in faith and put your offering in the baskets. Go back to your seat because I have one more prayer I want to impart. Thank you, Lord. And as you're coming up, just, just ask the Lord to increase your expectation because I believe he's going to do miracles, provisional miracles in these coming days that you can't even imagine. You can't even imagine. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your supernatural power. Thank you that you've called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Thank you that we are your bride. Thank you that you have done all that we need, Lord, that you have created in us this beautiful glory within. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just want to encourage you also is that we are believing for a great outpouring of the Spirit through media in this house. It is the vision of this house to release worship worldwide. And when we fill the airwaves with worship, things are going to shift. And God just wants it out there, out there, out there, out there, out there. And once it's live streamed, it can also be put on demand for everyone to watch it later and for them to come into the glory. But in order for this to be done in a, in a way that the anointing actually goes through the screen, um, we need more equipment. We need a few things to build that, that uh, portion so that we can have excellence in that. And so I want to encourage you to to give extra into that outreach. And the fruit of that, whenever you get to sow into something, the fruit of that is to your eternal account. It's eternal reward. And when you get to heaven, you'll see all the people that were reached, the nations, the tribes, the tongues that were reached. And God said, this is the fruit that you brought into the kingdom. And you'll say, well, what? I don't remember doing that. And he says, yeah, when you sowed into the building of that of that media outreach, this is the fruit of that. So I want to encourage you to do that. Give sacrificially. For those of you that are watching online and enjoying the online um, uh, meetings, please sow. Please sow generously into that project because I believe that within this week we can have all the need met. I don't even know what the whole need is, but we call it met in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Okay, as we're finishing up, and I... I am truly sorry that I've taken more time than, than, than what you're used to. But if you could stand up, and I'm going to release a blessing over you and your homes, over your, you and your household. Father, in the name of Jesus, I call your people blessed.
blessed in your presence. They are blessed coming in. They are blessed going out. They are blessed in everything that they put their hand to do. Their families are blessed. Their children are blessed. Their grandchildren are blessed. Their place of work is blessed. Their businesses are blessed. Their ministry outreaches are blessed. Everything that they do for you, in you, and through you is blessed beyond measure. They are blessed with increase and multiplication of every good thing. They are blessed with spiritual blessings in the heavenly places beyond anything that they have ever dreamt of. They are blessed with everything that pertains to life and to godliness. They are fully blessed. And Lord, in that blessing we receive, we receive your grace, we receive your countenance that shines upon us, we receive your hand that rests upon us. We receive your goodness. And now, as we receive blessing, we go out to be blessing. And I commission this house to go out and to bless. Lord, I just direct healing grace to everyone who is um, battling anything in their body, anything in their health. We release your healing power. We release resurrection life. We release your goodness. We release the miracle dimension, the glory dimension in their households that they will know an open portal. In Jesus' name, amen.